everybody to the Prospect New York State Podcast, Episode 6. We're looking forward to having a great night with you guys and introducing you to a great guy out on the West Coast who is trying his best to um, you know, make the game safer, not just in football, but in, in several sports. So we're looking forward to sharing uh, his story with you guys and letting you hear from him. Today we have a special guest. Uh, we're going to be calling him... Uh, we're here in New York State. We're going to be calling out to uh, Michael Jules, the president of Game Breaker. He's out in California in Westlake Village. Uh, we're excited to uh, hear from him. They're a, they're a major sponsor for us at the Power 50 Showcase, and they provided our athletes with the with the safest helmet um, in the world, the safest soft shell helmet in the world. So we're very grateful to them, and we're looking forward to having a conversation, getting them on the phone and letting you guys hear his story. Hello, this is Mike. Mike, Jules, this is Mark Viticor, Prospect New York State. How are you? Good, Mark. How are you? Yeah, we're great. We uh, First of all, we'd like to thank you um, on behalf of all the prospects, uh, the, their parents, and the, uh, and the coaches and everything. We just uh, we were thrilled to get the chance to outfit the kids in the safest helmet in the world and that's and that's how we build it to them was you know they were going to be uh they were going to be able to compete and and feel safe when they were doing it and um and there were a lot of chances for those for those guys to uh you know run into each other and there's a lot of situations in in, in a football you know event like that where accidents can happen and i just felt this level of safety and i think the kids did too um so we we just greatly appreciate that to start out uh. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, and you know we'd like to hear more about that. So you um, you founded the business. Did you found it with with some other other guys or just you? Just me. That's just incredible. Me. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about? Yeah, I mean, um, wow, it's a long story, <laughs> but uh, I'll try to be as brief as possible for you. Um, in a nutshell. Um, you know, grew up in and around sports, um, lost my parents when I was pretty young, my father first, and then, uh, you know, for lack of a better term or uh, better statement, I was kind of raised by my coaches, and thank God I could throw a ball and shoot a basket, and those coaches kind of out after me and took care of me and made me got where I needed to be when I needed to be there, made sure that I... Uh, you know, had all the equipment and, and stuff that I needed to participate, and I never forgot that, and certainly they had huge impact on my life uh, as far as my value system and, you know, how I you know ran my life and the lessons I learned not only from them but the sports I was playing while I was learning from them. Mm-hmm. Um, started a business, an ad agency, uh, when I was very young, you know, 1990, uh, 89, 90, uh, it was kind of wildly successful company. I had it for you know 20 years, a little over 20 years, and uh, I sold the business in 2009, uh, and uh, basically was going to retire. Now in 2001, um, I was you know coaching high school football uh, here in Southern California at a high school called Oaks Christian. We were always a top 25 nationally ranked kind of powerhouse team, and and uh you know started seeing all of the uh the head injuries obviously about that time was the proliferation of seven on seven football yeah started seeing more and more head injuries knew that obviously um football needed something uh to uh keep growing in order to be able to compete with the other sports well you know all of the indicators really right the competing with year-round sports not having a national governing body um, you know, obviously the head injuries uh, and the, or the parents fear from injuries, all of these reasons that parents were fearing their, you know, their children from playing football. And sure. so uh, I had created the product. Our first patent was in 2001 and pretty much from 2001 to 2010, it was a philanthropic play, you know? Yeah. And then after selling the business, you know, being kind of retired, same guys, same joke, same golf course, uh, I wanted to jump back in. Certainly, I looked back and do how I could check all those boxes. You know how I could uh, enjoy what I do, how I could you know make a great living doing it. 
you know, how I could do well by doing good. Mm -hmm. Uh, those were kind of the three sides of the coin that I wanted to have. And here I had this helmet product there and thought, uh, let's give it a shot. So we really launched in 2011, really a soft launch and really hard to market 2013 and, uh, haven't looked back since. Yeah. I mean, we see your helmet everywhere. I mean, every, Every Rivals video, every, uh, you know, snapshot we see of either a 7-on-7 or a a major football showcase, your helmet's in there. Is that right? Yeah. You know what? Uh, We're blessed. Um, When we first came out with the product, you know, I took it to some of the majors, uh, the hard good, you know, football companies, and I showed it to them. I didn't want to have a bunch of people again and get back into business and do that whole thing. Uh, but when I took it to those companies, they kind of laughed and said, you know, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. No one's ever going to wear it. So I was kind of forced to take it to market by myself. And so not only were we really, you know, introducing or inventing a new product, but we were pioneering, you know, a new market. Yeah, you really are. Yeah. So every level at every step of the way, someone told us, you're nuts. No one's ever going to wear that at the you know, flag football level, and then no one's ever going to wear it at the seven-on-seven level, then no one's ever going to wear it at the high school level, and then no one's going to wear it at the collegiate level. And it's been, you know, every time been proved wrong. And um, I think, you know, recently Inc. Magazine named us America's 10th fastest growing manufacturer in America. And, you know, that speaks to how popular the product is and, and the kind of success that we're having. And, uh, you know, again, I give credit to the coaches out there that uh, – aren't stuck in their way that aren't you know that are committed to you know maintaining the game and growing the game of football and committed to their you know student athletes and their well-being and doing what you know they need to do to make sure they're taken care of and and uh, once again that same group of people is blessing me again yeah you know it changes hard for anybody let alone high school coaches and college coaches and pros um but when you see the demo um you know, at, at the showcase, Coach Chris Bantel, who works with you guys on the East Coast, uh, he's also a coach at Cutstown. He, he made the, the long drive. You know, he drove from PA up to uh, Utica, and he had some. Uh, he, he brought the helmets, fitted every kid properly with the helmet, and, and he also gave some demos. You know, he held out a, a cell phone, put a, a cell phone on the on the table, and put a you know, some of the foam from your product on top of the phone, and then he slammed it with a hammer. I mean, he hit it hard, and then he pulled the, he pulled the foam away, and there was nothing wrong with the phone. He, he was going to use uh, my phone, but he, he decided to use, I think, his own phone. So I, uh, it was an impressive demonstration. Um, it, just, it just seems like that anybody can make a helmet. Anybody can say that it's safe. But what you did that was different, uh, which speaks to me because, you know, I'm being a head coach. I've been a coach since 1998. Uh, but for me, you know, also being a, a dad of two sons, I want to know that you're putting out the safest helmet and that you actually you did your due diligence and you, you, you've got Virginia Tech, you know, who's an independent, you know, uh, entity from you guys. And they're putting out studies and, they, and they've found that your helmet's the safest in the world. It's the... It's the safest soft shell helmet there is and that alone plus the demos uh, plus your willingness to outfit our kids it speaks it's it says a lot for us coaches when we see you know companies like yours we know that you're trying to make a difference um and that in the the details matter to you guys so i i do think that's part of why it's so popular you know the um uh, it's not just any helmet it's not just one that's on the market that someone can buy for 20 bucks on amazon like it's the real deal so uh, huge credit to you for, for bringing this to market. I'm glad you had another business prior to it because it probably made it easier for you to just to manage that side of the world because being rejected by, you know, maybe all those people uh, maybe wasn't so intimidating knowing you could do it yourself. Yeah, certainly. And um, it's, it's interesting, right, when you talk about the safety and the testing and, you know, all the things that we've done to kind of not only separate ourselves in this space, but in the entire safety space overall. I mean, look, I think there's a commercial out right now about, you know, saying that when we landed on the moon, uh, that technology is less than what we carry around in our hands every day, right? (laughs) And so you see this progression of how far 
we've come in that market. And then you look at, you know, safety in and around sports. And I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about all sports. Sure. And you look at, and you look at where it was when we landed on the moon and where it is today. Yeah. And, you know, again, with all due respect to those people in the space, you know, there hasn't been much movement. Yeah. And when we came into the space, I mean, the original thought was, oh, it's a rugby scrum. You know, you guys are just making a rugby scrum. And we're like, look, rugby players don't even wear rugby scrums. Right. You know, and the reason they don't is because they don't do anything. Yeah. You know, yeah, they protect your ears from scrumming and from nicks and cuts, but this is doing nothing for head impacts. Yeah. And head injuries are the number one injury in that sport. Sure. And head injuries are the number one injury in wrestling. And, head, and I go on and on and on, and it's head injuries, head injuries, head injuries. And then kind of what is being done. And so when we got into the space, you know, a bunch of people have jumped in behind us, I can tell you that. Um, and they simply just put out a product and, you know, had this, you know, added cavalier kind of crazy attitude that they would just throw their big brand name on it yeah. and put it out to market and people were going to buy it. And we had done enough work in the space to where we were like, okay, if you're going to do that, go ahead. But know this, the day you put it out to market, you know, I'm going to go to the store, I'm going to buy half a dozen and to a third party lab and I'm going to have it tested and I'm going to publish the results. Yeah. Because if you're in this space, you got to be about safety first. And yeah. when you really look around and you look at a five-piece girdle as a football coach or a five-piece compression shirt that goes under your shoulder pads, it's all about the logo that's on it. No yeah. one's talking about this pad's better than that pad. Agreed. No one's doing any safety testing and saying, Here, here's what's what. And so, you know, we were really, really blessed with this Virginia Tech study because, quite frankly, we were doing it all on ourselves. And we'd have to go to these third-party labs and send them product and send them other products and do all these comparative studies and publish all this stuff. And it was great when Virginia Tech, unbeknownst to us and everyone else, decided to do soft shell, you know, headgear as part of their, you know, repertoire and uh, do the testing. And when they came out and said, listen, we only recommend you wear a four or a five-star helmet and you're the only four and five-star helmet in the world, we were like, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I would um, say so. But, I mean, the difference really was there was no one making us make a great helmet. Yeah, no, I you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. We could have just thrown some EVA in there, like some a lot of what the other folks were really doing, and, and slapped, you know, slapped it out on the market and sold it as safety. But, you know, we invested huge with, you know, the, the demo you talked about with D3O, yeah. our partners in the United Kingdom. Um, they provide that material. We have a global exclusive with them, a licensing arrangement. And, and you know, this material is used in a myriad of different products from, you know, defense department, you know, categories to military helmets to motocross and motorcycle and auto racing. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's it's everywhere. And it's a great company. And we're, you know, lucky to have them as a partner. And But we went out early and, you know, Listen, a lot of people said, why are you doing that? Why are you spending all this money on all of this when there's nothing else out there? You're yeah. the best anyway. And I was like, yeah, we're the best of the worst. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, there's nothing out there that does anything. I don't want to sell something that pretends to be safety. If we're going to put something on kids' heads, then it's going to be the best possible thing. And to that end, you know, we've come out with a new improved version about every 15, 16 months right now. And it's 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 been hard to keep up. It's been expensive to do it, but you know we keep getting better, bigger, faster, stronger. The technology keeps moving, and and we keep tweaking this thing. And we have a new helmet coming out uh, here at the end of 2019 that is better than the five star model we have now. And people said to us, "Wait, if you're a five star and you're the best in the world, why are you coming out with a better helmet?" And the answer is because the kids are going to be safer. That's right. <laughs> And, that's, yeah. and, and you know what that says a lot to? It says a lot to parents that are listening to this and parents that are curious about, you know, should should I allow, should they allow, you know, their kids to play in those seven-on-seven -seven leagues or, or any kind of off-season league or training session where there could be contact, which in football, even if you say there's not going to be contact, football is contact pretty much all the time. Even if you're catching a, a route and, and you're and you're catching it from a quarterback and you're, there's no defense, the football could hit you in the head or you could fall. And You know, um, there's a, a lot of ways you can be hurt in any sport, but in football in particular, parents are 
maybe more cautious about allowing their kids to play, but at the youth level, at the at the varsity level, and then and then that's going to impact you know collegiate and NFL uh, participation. Tell us about your reach into youth. Yeah, I mean, I, again, just to kind of climb backwards a little bit and address you know your statement and question. Interestingly enough, um, you know, we don't consider football a contact sport. We consider football a collision sport. Yeah. We, we consider all of the supposed non-contact sports, soccer, basketball, you know, as contact sports. And mm-hmm. for us, a non-contact sport is ping pong, right? <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is turn on the World Cup or, hate to age myself, but look at a Lakers-Detroit Pistons, you know, world championship with the bad boys and and tell me that's a non-contact sport right and as you look at the you know epidemiology in these sports and the 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 history of injuries in these sports again you know it's common now but you know women's soccer number one injury head injuries men's soccer head injuries you know football i think there's an article came out yesterday about flag being just as dangerous as tackle as far as the number of head injuries, even more so. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, seven, on, seven on seven, there are no numbers, but it's not a sanctioned sport all over the country. And, you know, you go into these sports like field hockey where these girls are running around with, you know, it's it's soccer but with a stick. Yeah. You know, how do, how do we have nothing on our heads? And so um, that's been a big a big thing for us. I mean, really, while football is, is where we started, uh, we're really about – you know, athletes playing supposed non-contact sports that don't require headgear. So, you know, we're in universities all over the country for water polo. We have women's volleyball players, believe it or not, at the libero position, wearing them all over the country. Wow. We have soccer players at the professional level in Europe and goalies and, you know, all over the country. And obviously football, um, the high school level is where we started. Um if you go to states like big football states like Texas, for example, at the Division One level, we're at you know UTSA, we're at Texas A&M, we're at Texas, we're at Rice, we're at TCU, you know, we're at Houston. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And so at the Division One level, uh, you know, we've grown very rapidly. We seem to be adding a school or two a week, if not a day, um, and then. You know, the youth level is re- was really a hard target for us because um, it's a lot of volunteers. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of moving pieces. And unfortunately, um, that market gets taken advantage of the most oh, yeah. because of that reason. And there's a lot of people in that space, um, you know, quite frankly, that are, you know, uh, if you take their shirt off, a big dorsal fin pops up, right? I mean, they're, they're out, you know, trying to make a quick buck, and they're making a living off of kids. And listen, I always say that's okay, right? My pediatrician and my my kids' school teachers make a living off of kids too. But you know, the kids have to get some benefit from it. You yeah. know, for me, for it to be a, a value proposition and a good deal. And there's a lot of people in that space, unfortunately, that are making a lot of money off of kids for a lot of different reasons. And I'm not sure the kids are getting anything out of it. And so. We uh, we postponed uh, the youth market um, and really did these other markets more of a proving ground. Sure, you know when you go when you go see Duke University and you're trying to get them in headgear, it's a pretty smart group of people. You know what I mean? You don't just walk in and they say, "Okay, yeah, sure." Yeah, you know. And so we did all of that and then brought all of that data, all of the proof of concept, and all of the you know. Uh, successes that we'd had and we brought it to the youth market and uh the response has been insane the last year and a half um you know most of these parents um uh that are that are getting involved um are more aware of of the sports their kids are playing and the injuries around them sure uh obviously you have a lot of volunteers and, and parents that are coaching and giving their time and energy they're really looking for some expertise on that front for someone to come in and offer something. And it's not just selling them stuff. It's more than just selling them a headgear. It's educating them on practice and how to practice and how, you know, when to practice and how much practice and, you know, giving them other tools, uh, creating an ecosystem with our partners at the high school and collegiate level and, and really mapping out a roadmap for those youth programs. And so we do a lot of, collaborating within the youth market, integrating them in with our 
with their big brothers and big sisters at, uh, you know, the higher levels. And uh, it's, it's going fantastic. And uh, we're happy because ultimately, you know, if you look at a pyramid, you know, uh, everyone says, you know, when's the NFL and how many NFL teams do you have? And I would say, look, you know, it's 2,400 guys, Yeah. right? Like, while I want the business and it's important to us, it's more important to us as a statement to the youth than it is from a financial standpoint. And then the bottom of that pyramid is millions of American boys and girls that are, you know, playing unprotected. And in most cases, unlike, you know, professional athletes who have the best trainers, the best doctors, you know, and everything in between, uh, at the youth level, you have, you know, volunteer parents who are doing everything they can, but, you know, they're not physicians, they're not trainers. And so what ends up happening is you have this horrible you know, paradigm where the people that need the most protection are getting the least. Oh, that's a great and, point. And so that's where we really are working hard and, and uh, you know, climbing into these socioeconomic communities where, you know, we didn't want to make a product that was for, you know, rich kids either. Yeah. You know, we wanted to make sure that we could protect all the kids all the time. Uh, make something that lasted many years that, you know, we thought could be cheaper than a pair of cleats. Mm. And uh, we've really accomplished that. We don't get a lot of pushback like, wow, that's too expensive. Because when we do, you know, we kind of say, look, we're the least expensive piece of equipment you're going to buy. Yeah. And we're going to last the longest, you know, and we're protecting the most valuable piece of, you know, commodity, you know, you have. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough thing to accomplish, right? I mean, because you could say, look, we're going to, we're going to charge 300 bucks for these things. We're going to be the same price as a, as a hard shell helmet. And you're not, I mean, you guys are on the, the $50 range, which is yeah, very reasonable. Uh, I know we, uh, we're in talks with our, with our booster club at Fairport high school and we can't wait to get it, you know, on, onto our, in, into the hands of our kids and onto their heads just so that we can, you know, do more things in the off season and, and, and feel like when we're doing those things, I shouldn't say do more when we are in an off season, I don't want to feel like we have to put on a hard shell helmet and I don't want to feel like we, we have to do nothing either. So this is a great opportunity for our school to uh, get involved. Uh, you know, we're in New York and you guys are out in California. I don't know how, how, uh, you know, many high schools you, you have here, but our booster club, you know, however we figure out how to pay for it, we'll, we'll go to our alumni association, we'll, we'll fundraise, whatever we have to do, but it's going to happen in our school. Um, I'd like it to happen in our youth programs as well. Um, you know, Pete, my first, my first head coaching job, Mike, we had such a small budget. I was at a, at a school, uh, it was called Manchester Shortsville, um, also known as Red Jack, and we, we graduated, you know, 65 kids. So we had a really small budget, and they would ask me, at the time, our athletic director was uh, Rick Yale. He'd say, you know, what do you want to buy? I said, I don't want to buy anything else but the safest helmet you can get our kids in. He said, well, we can afford six. I said, well, let's buy six. We'll buy six every year. And, at the, you know, and uh, that's my thing. For, from a head coach's standpoint, if you're going to spend a dollar on a kid, it better be about safety. And then, you know, the looks, the jerseys, all that other stuff. If you're spending more money on that and your athletic budget or, or your booster club budget, then I think maybe – your you know, priorities maybe need to be realigned. As you said, the most important thing is your brain. So anybody who's listening out there, if you have money in your budget, you know, consider Game Breaker as a as a as a major investment in safety and, and the why of this company is is uh so important for you guys to hear. And um, you know, I think that uh I we feel the same way about everything that we do, but I just I, I I'm, a, I'm astounded that you guys are able to put a product out here like this at the price point that you have. Can you talk to us more about, um, you have like two different helmets, right? You have like the base model and the pro model, is that correct? Yeah, we, we have two different models. Uh, obviously, we have a, the two different headgear. We have a soft shell shoulder pad that's also an incidental contact pad that's something you would wear. You know, the NFL guys wear it on days, you know, they're not in full pads. They're on fast Fridays. Huh. Uh, you know, um, it's worn down at the high school level now, uh, and youth programming too, where they're not in full pads and they're wear soft shell helmets and shoulder pads. Yep. Um, and then we have a helmet liner as another product we carry that goes inside of a tackle helmet and, you know, just makes it perform better, mm-hmm. um, offer more protection. And for those families that can't afford those, you know, five star, you know, $1,500 new helmets, you know, maybe they can spend you know that two hundred dollars and spend 50 bucks on a helmet liner that increases the 
you know, veracity of that product and, and bumps it up to that level. So, I didn't know you made those. Uh, so talk talk more about those because I, I didn't see that on your uh, on on the list. So tell me more about those inserts. Yeah, it's a brand new launch for us. Um, you know, it's it's very really simple. It's a you know eight mil thick uh, piece of uh, our D three O technology, pure sure. uh, with a uh, antimicrobial, antibacterial, antiperspiration liner. You insert it into your helmet, just or hat, you know, or lacrosse helmet, or hockey helmet, or whatever huh. sport you're playing, and then put your helmet on. Yeah. Um, it doesn't attach to your helmet, so it doesn't void any warranties or you know, cause uh, anything, any changes other than, you know, most of these helmets now are air helmets. You can little let a little bit of air out uh, yeah. to, you know, if, you, if you've already had bought your helmet, you don't want to change sizes. Mm. Um, and uh, in most helmets, about it's about a 25% improvement on every helmet out there as far as force attenuation and uh, reduction of, of force. And so, you know, that's a new product we're launching right now, along with uh, a soccer product that we're launching here in the next 60 days. But as far as the headgear and the pricing on the headgear, it's funny. We get a lot of people that talk about that and say, because here, in, let's say in California, for example, um, you know, you can't put helmets on until, you know, 30 days before your first game. Yeah. Uh, yet year-round contact is available and <laughs> coaches can start coaching January 1. Yep. And so... You know, yesterday I was on the phone with Jason Negro, who's the head football coach at St. John Bosco uh, here in Southern California. And they're, I think last year they ended up top five in the country, maybe two or three. Um, and uh, he's a program, to give you an example, where they'll wear our headgear, you know, all spring and summer long. Yeah. Um, they'll wear our headgear and our shoulder pads. It's not, you know, hey, let's turn it up a notch and go out and bang. It's not meant for that. It's incidental contact equipment. Yeah. Um, but they're able to go out there and be able to go full speed in a non-contact setting yeah. where uh, they can alleviate some of the concerns because ultimately when we go to a seven-on-seven event, and just like we did for you, you know, we show up with helmets, you know, the happiest people there are the parents. And no they doubt. come up to us and say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. I watch these games and I'm sitting on pins and needles because I'm just waiting. Yeah. Because if you've been around it enough, if you sit at the park, most coaches and teams and parents are there for their game and then they get up and leave. But if you're an administrator or a coach or an official and you're there all day, yeah. um, almost every event we're at, there's a head injury. Oh, no doubt. Uh, and... Uh, and, you know, you got guys going full speed. Um, you have all the scouting services out there. These kids are getting looked at. They're trying to get, you know, get their stars, if you will, and get written about and, and get scholarships. And so they're competing no differently than they would on Friday night season. They're going full speed. They're converging on the ball. Yeah. And whenever you have people converging on a ball, you're going to have collisions. And then aside from the collisions, you're going to have contact with the ground and, you know, God bless her. Mother Earth is undefeated right now in her bouts with us, and uh, she's going to continue to be. So as long as we're going to be banging our head on the ground, uh, we, we, we might as well get something on our head, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we were able to really, you know, we were more expensive when we first launched uh, many years ago, and our prices actually come down as, you know, the volume and, and the uh, kind of manufacturing curve has gotten better. Um, and we've gotten better and, and, uh, it's actually come down and, you know, our goal is quite frankly to have it keep coming down, um, as we, you know, get past, you know, all of the investments and all of the R and D and all the stuff that we're constantly dealing and get to a, a more, you know, stable product. And, and then, you know, launching new products obviously is quite an investment and in inventory and whatnot, but, uh. Yeah, we so now in the soft show we have two models: a base model and a pro model. Yep. Uh, I mentioned the Virginia Tech testing. The base model is four-star rated. Um, we really sell it probably the most at the youth level up until you know like high school, um, and then our pro model is the five-star model, and that we primarily sell high school and up. Um, again, there's no line that we say you can't. I mean, there's flag leagues with five-year-olds wearing our pro model and there's certainly high schools wearing our base model but that seems to be uh kind of the line where people go they feel like the four star is good at the lower levels because you have lower energy impacts and it provides you know enough protection um and then the five star for the for the older kids and you know with team pricing it's 
less than 50 bucks for the base model and about uh, 79 I'm sorry, $80, $79, something like that for the pro model, depending on the printing and whatnot. Um, and then both of those products uh, also come with, you know, a, a lip protector mouthpiece with $10,000 worth of dental insurance and the whole nine yards. So it's a mouthpiece they're going to pay 20 to $30 for retail yeah. uh, if, they go, if they go into a Dick Sporting Goods. So once you throw that into the mix, it really makes the price go down. Um, and, uh, and that's our goal is just to get it on every head, on every kid and every situation and make sure boy or girl, uh, football, you know, volleyball, whatever it is, wherever there's a need that we're there and hoping that this continues to be the norm. Um, and I don't know if you were able to catch, we were in USA today a few weeks ago or the state of Texas mandated us at the high school level for their seven on seven. And I saw that. Um, that's incredible. Yeah, and that trend keeps to seems to keep happening all over the country, especially when states like Texas, who's really the ringleader of football in, in, in our country and obviously in the world because of that. So they're uh, they really have led the charge and have done a good job. I mean, they didn't specifically mandate our our product, but they mandated a safety standard that, you know, fortunately for us, we're the only company that meets that standard. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, if that's going to change. I welcome the competition, but, you know, because of the way we've built this space with all these safety standards and protocols, you're going to have to really sell a safety product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no more throwing, no more throwing a logo on something and saying, here we go. We're, we're ready to, you know, play. And, you know, I think everyone, like I said earlier, said we're stupid and no one was ever going to do it. No one was ever going to wear it. There's probably 15 different brands out there in the space now. Yeah. And of course, none of them meet those standards. So they've gone out and they've done an EVA product and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> even the so, uh, even the hard shell helmets, Mike, uh, have gone through quite a few changes in the last, you know, even just five years, maybe less, uh, you know, with Vices getting into the market and the NFL, you know, having a third party study there. And when they released that in 2017, it created quite a bit of buzz, at least in the NFL and for us, uh, for us high school coaches, I'm such a research nut that, that I came across a pretty major study that reminded me of the, of the Virginia tech study that you guys, uh, are, uh, participated in. And it was regarding, you know, the hard shell helmets. Um, do you have any, you know, connection to those guys or any of those guys? I mean, you, do you have any relationships with, with those companies or, um, you know, what, what, what do you think right now about the current state of the hard shell helmet? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people are asking us to get in it yeah, <laughs> uh, because of their dissatisfaction with the current providers. Um, we are considering it. Um, uh, we have uh, the insides, if you will, already done. The outside is a pretty basic piece outside of, you know, the design. Um we're not totally set on going in that space. I mean, I'm a firm believer of, you know, kind of staying in your lane and sure. sticking to what you do best and, you know, making sure the best, making sure you do that. And so, um, you know, I'm not sure we're going to go that direction. I'm glad that, you know, uh, the NFL took steps to ensure that there was some testing and some third party testing that was outside of the standard, right? Yeah. Because you as a football coach know that every year you got to get your helmet certified and you got to send them out and they're going to, you know, uh, recertify them. And, you know, they, the test, you know, the Noxie test is a drop test. And if you've seen the test and obviously you coach football, the two things aren't really, you know, they don't correlate. That, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, common sense tells you like that test dropping a helmet five feet, you know, whatever it is on, you know, like that doesn't look like football to me. Yeah. Um, and so when these other companies, when the NFL got other people involved in that testing apparatus and started doing like the Virginia tech study with our helmet, where you have two head forms on a pulley system colliding, mm -hmm. you know, that looks like that looks like a collision because it is a collision. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's the proper measuring stick. And so now that that happened, it wasn't pass or fail anymore. Right. So yeah. listen, if there's a standard for a bicycle helmet and it, you know, over time, every manufacturer figures out it's going to take X amount of, this material at this thickness to pass the standard at that point they're no longer trying to build a better helmet at that point they're spending their dollars yeah. on you know what pokemon character can we put on the helmet so we sell more <laughs>
So, right? And so it becomes a marketing thing. Everyone knows, okay, once we meet the standards, then that we're good. What I'm most proud of, and, you know, it'll probably come back to, you know, haunt us one day when, you know, somebody blows us out of the water with some great new innovative technology. And uh, But the point is, is that we, we create an environment in this space where it's about, you know, an A, B, C, D, you know, grade. It's, you know, a four or five, you know, five, four, three, two star. It's not sure. about pass or fail. And so constantly people are going to be pressured and pushed to compete. And, you know, when you come from an athletic background, you know, I always say, you know, we're in the high performance business, yeah, just like our athletes. And we got to perform. And I'm glad that those third-party companies got involved because now look, look at all the changes that have happened in that market since they started putting out some testing that wasn't just pass or fail standard. Yeah, it's been tremendous. Now – now it's become an arms race within the helmet companies, right? They're yes. all battling. Yeah. They're all battling to be better, better, better. Where before they were like, eh, I think it was like, you guys pass the standard, we pass the standard. Let's, you know, uh, have a beer and, you know, keep that between us and let's let's just go, right? And when we were growing up, you know, we, we all we cared about was could, did it fit and uh, what, what did the face mask look like? You know, what, what kind of mask were we going to get? Like there was no... When you're a player in the in the '90s, you know you're just like, okay, I want this, you know, running back mask, I want the air helmet, and I want to I want to go play. You know, like there's no when you're a player, you were not thinking about safety. But players are more educated now, and parents are more educated, and um, I think it's great. I think it's great that there's more, you know, there's higher standards and, and that there's third party tests. Um, you know, one thing I, I played football and I played rugby. One of the significant differences in rules between rugby and football that I, I just find fascinating is that you you cannot just launch yourself into another person in rugby. You can't. You have to make an attempt to wrap up the player when you're tackling them. I found one that it made me a better tackler, but two, you know, I had almost no you know major head injuries at all. I I, I took one knee to the head I think in a, in a game in uh, my last year in college, but. Uh, you know, there was a there was a feeling of there were less major collisions in that sport because you had to make that attempt to rap. The, the the undeniable truth that really no one knows is that you know, uh, rugby has a head injury problem. Yeah. Right. I mean, and to say you know I don't know if it's safe or not. I know that they have a head injury problem. Yeah. Um, I think that game breaker should be huge in rugby. I think every player should wear a helmet because they have a product now that, like I said, doesn't attenuate any force or, or relatively small amounts of force. And, you know, they weren't designed to do that. And the standard that's set in rugby was written, you know, a, a million years ago. And it wasn't about collisions and it wasn't about head injuries. It was about protecting your ears when you're scrumming. That's the term scrum cap. And also, you know, protecting you from cuts and scrapes and abrasions and all that. I will say this about football. There's a lot of talk about it. Um, but the NFL is the one who's talking about it. And yeah. if you look around at some of these other sports, they're not talking too much about it. Yeah. And so football gets kind of this bad rap. And again, the NFL, you know, uh, once you get into the space, the space that we're in, and obviously you're calling from New York and NFL headquarters there on Park Avenue. I mean, uh, kudos to them. They have done so much. Uh, and, the problem is it just hasn't the way they do things just hasn't trickled down there hasn't been a governing body at the youth level and the high school level and the collegiate level and their level for all of this information to trickle down and to be instituted but i mean the level of injury uh head injury at an nfl practice is basically you know nothing it's wow. i think less than less than three percent yeah you know they know how to practice they know you know, when to practice, they know when to put the pads on, when to not put them on, when to hit, how to hit, how that whole, you know, thing should be choreographed. You know, they've made a, a multitude of, you know, rule changes this past year with the kickoff rule that have made huge differences and huge strides. But how many youth leagues have followed suit? Great point. How many youth leagues do you know that have changed their kickoff rules? Hmm. How many youth leagues do you know that are following their practice plans? How many, you know, and that's that's the scary thing. I mean, you know, as a, as a football coach, you know, when your injuries are happening, you know, and, and 
practice can be a bad place. You yeah. know what I mean? If, if, if you, you know, and, and, you know, you have to know how to, you know, do that. And that's where, you know, education comes in. I think the NFL has got a handle on it. I think they're doing a good job on it. And I think if there is a failure, it's at the lower levels where we haven't kind of looked up and learned yeah. and adopted. Um, that's a great point. So, There's a, it's a great point. And, and also you, you brought up before the, uh, the other sports, I mean, girls field hockey, you get, you're getting concussions, you know, soccer guys and girls. And, uh, you know, everybody can learn a little bit from what the NFL is trying to do. Unfortunately, the, the spotlight's all over the NFL, right? And, and what they're doing, but it's really everybody's problem. Yeah. But I mean, congratulations for them for, you know, taking it on yeah. and talking about it. Yeah. And because the other sports, quite frankly, aren't. Yeah. It's a great they just point. Kind of look at you and go, we don't, and they just kind of say we don't have a problem. And you're looking at the epidemiology, going, really? Because I'm looking at high school sports over the last 20 years, and your sport has a big problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember we started getting calls about women's volleyball, and I asked for a report at the end of a quarter, and we had sold X amount of helmets into women's volleyball, and I'm like, okay, this is a mistake. What's wrong with our software? And they were like, no, I don't think it's a mistake, boss. And I'm like, well, I need you to call the last 50 people and, you know, our last 25 people and get them on the phone and confirm they were volleyball and what they bought these headgear for. Because we didn't, you know, know that as a market for us. And we called and 99% of them were women. 99% of them were liberos, which I didn't even know what a libero was at the time. Yeah. Um, and after talking to their parents and their trainers and their coaches, it was like, listen, these girls are diving all over the place. They're hitting other girls' knees and legs. They're hitting the floor. They're hitting the pole, you know, and they have four and five concussions. And I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. You know, and we got in touch with, you know, the association. Do you guys have a concussion problem? They're like, no, not at all. And we're like, okay. You know, because we're, we're getting an awful lot of these calls. And sure enough, about nine months later, they called us and said, hey, we do have a problem. And they interviewed us and, and, uh, you know, we still sell a ton of product into, you know, women's volleyball for this libero position. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, the spotlight gets shined bright on the NFL. Of course, it's, you know, the biggest sport we have, and the, you know, and I get it. But uh, they're doing a great job. I think, uh, you know, uh, all these reports that have come out this year were better than they were last year and better than the year before. And that means we're moving in the right direction. And that's awesome. That is awesome, and, and and I saw that I believe it's New Jersey limited the uh, the number of contact hours um, for it wasn't just contact it was something like live collision contact they limited it to like fifteen minutes per week, and which I believe it sounds like that's what the NFL already does. Am I right? Uh, yeah, there are about fourteen padded practices a year in the NFL and the CFL. It's it's zero. Now, you know, obviously, you know, you don't just say, oh, well, then, you know, nobody should tackle, right? We right. should do what the NFL does and have 14. Because you have to, you know, you don't roll out of bed and know how to tackle. <laughs> That's right? true. You, 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 you can't just do that. These are professionals. Yeah, They've been pros. tackling for a long time. If they don't know how to tackle by now, they wouldn't be in the NFL. That's a right? great point, yeah. Um, so I understand that there has to be some, you know, adjustment to that, but boy, the concept sure does make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. If 80-plus percent of your injuries happen in practice and you can reduce, you know, contact in practice by 80 percent, boy, do you move that needle, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, And so I think that's what New Jersey is trying to accomplish, you know, at the high school level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I think the coaches know better than anybody uh, what that means, what that looks like, how much time you need and how much time you don't need. Um, to get kids prepared to, you know, make a tackle. Because ultimately, if you don't spend that time, then tackling becomes dangerous because they don't know how to do it. Exactly. Right? They don't know how to call so it. Exactly. So you have to have that. Uh, but I certainly think, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, again, I don't want to age myself, but when I played, we banged every day. Oh, yeah. Day. Yep. You know, and I think that's, and I don't, but I don't think anyone's really, you know, I'm, it is happening, but. I think that's changing quite a bit anyway, and people are understanding that, hey, there's a lot to learn about football uh, and a lot of things you can do outside of pads um, uh, that's going to help you. And even in the tackling realm, you can do that, right? No so, doubt. 
Yeah, and there's there's people out there that are trying to change, you know, tackling techniques. You know, there are there are people that have designed, you know, whole, you know, uh, instructional programs for how to improve tackling and make it more safe for the tackler, for the person being tackled. And that that's great because, you know, probably the same time, around the same time you played, maybe um, I played in the, you know, late 90s, but um, there was nothing like that. It was, you know, eat the football. It was always like, eat the football, you know, try to try to force a fumble with your face mask, basically, you know, punch the ball, whatever. And now they're trying to get your head out of the tackle. And, you know, there's the rugby style tackle. There's all different kinds of programs out there that are trying to help not only performance, but also make it a safer experience for every kid, which, you know, I think is great. Uh, Mike, tell yeah. us if you've got if you've got a parent, you've got a parent listening. We've got a maybe high school coaches listening, a college coach are probably going to listen to something like this. And what would you tell them? What what could they? What steps can they take next to uh, to to find out more about Game Breaker and your product? Uh, we have representation all over the country. Um, I would you know if they have an interest in the product, they can go to our website, you know www.gamebreaker.com, um, and uh, send in an inquiry or call us, um, and uh, we'll certainly put them in touch with someone that would be happy to come out and see them visit with them, sample them, show them the technology, as you pointed out, um, you know, not only show them, you know, why they need this off shell helmet, but why then game breaker. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, that would be, you know, the number one thing I think, uh, you know, to consider, uh, the timing that the, again, what we just talked about, how much time they're putting in in pads. And if there's a, a time when that makes sense not to be in full pads. Um, and certainly at the seven on seven and flag football level, um, you know, I have, I, I've, like I mentioned earlier, I was a football coach. I have two boys that both are football players. Um, both, uh, well, my older son, you know, played at UCLA. He's a linebacker. He medically retired, you know, three shoulder surgeries, three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my younger son is a quarterback. He recently transferred out of UCLA when they had their coaching change. And, you know, he's going in and having a (laughs) surgery next week. Um, So, you know, I've seen it all, you know, at every level um, and from all sides, right? From a parent side, from a coach's side, now from a vendor side. um, You know, I know what's behind curtain number three. And I I, I would just kind of urge parents and and more than that coaches because they're the influencers. that, that help these coaches out. I mean, if you've gone like to your event or you've seen a seven on seven event where our helmets are mandated, there's one common theme that always comes out with a person who's never seen it. And that is they look at and they say, wow, this looks like this is the way it's always supposed to have been. Yeah. I can't believe that we have kids running around playing with nothing on their head. Yeah. And the first time a flag parent goes to a game where they play a team where the other team's wearing headgear, it's the same response. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something that, you know, we have to, you know, get addressed because if you love football, you know, this is, this is the only thing that's going to, listen, the NFL is never going to go away. It's, you know, it's great business and they're always going to find 2,400 guys, especially with what they're making to go out there and, and, uh, and play the game that they love. And, and so it's never going to go away, but, you know, insurance and, you know, all these other things that you see that are, you know, and parents being afraid to, to, to sign their kids up, which, you know, I think is not right. I mean, I think that uh, football should be a part of a parent's plans. I think it's just important that, you know, there's a difference between, and, and our generation kind of screwed this up, and I think we're correcting it, is, you know, there's a difference between safe and soft yeah okay yeah. like i always point to our military i say look no one would say that the u.s military is soft we're the greatest fighting force in the world undeniable right yep they also have the best stuff right? yeah our guys we make sure they have the best stuff and they're the safest they can possibly be in an otherwise unsafe situation yeah now football is not an unsafe situation right um it's it's a contact sport you know but um, you know, there's a lot of sports out there and, you know, there's inherent risk in anything you do. I would just say safe and soft aren't synonymous and let's be safe. Um, and, and then we can flip the numbers and 
people will continue to play this great game and, and uh, it will, you know, continue to thrive and more kids will get the opportunity because right now for kids and parents to be afraid is, is crazy. You know, we just got to change that. Mike Jules, the president and founder of Game Breaker, thank you so much for joining us on the Prospect New York State podcast tonight. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. I hope uh, you have me back someday and uh, love the chat uh, anytime. And and uh, congratulations with your event. And thank you so much for having the uh, forward thinking to have us attend. And, and uh, we were proud to be there and uh, happy to help in the future. Well, much appreciated. Thanks for a great conversation, Mike. All right. Good night, guys. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. That was Mike Jules, the president and founder of Gamebreaker. If you want to, you know, find out more information, go to gamebreaker.com or you can contact uh, Chris Bantel. You can find him on Twitter if you're in the Northeast. Uh, he's also a coach at Cutstown in PA. Um, he's the one who drove all the way up from PA and outfitted all of our, our prospects at the, at the New York State Power 50 showcase on March 16th. And uh, man, was that, was that huge for us. Uh, it's hard to imagine that showcase being run without, you know, those helmets being put on. So we are just indebted to, to uh, Mike Jules and to Chris Bantel for, for putting the effort into, you know, a, a week before the showcase. I said, man, we've got to find a way. We didn't have the, you know, all the funds we needed to be able to, um, to outfit these kids. And um, they came through within a week's time. And, and you know we made some things work, and we're just we're just so grateful for it because it it made for a better showcase, made us feel like we could you know our 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 guys could compete, and uh, and I'm sure it made the the parents you know feel better about it. So as a high school coach, I look forward to outfitting our kids you know into these things in the off season and and even sometimes during you know in season practices uh, for when we need it, uh, even you know like a walkthrough situation or something like that. There's, there's a lot of opportunities for something like this to, uh, to, uh, to work at, at a high school. So uh, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, we have more things to talk about on our next episode. Specifically, we're going to talk more about the Prospect New York State Power 50 showcase that ended up being the Power 85 showcase. Um, we invited more than 50 to, to make sure we could um, we could run a, an adequate, you know, showcase for the drills and the skills and the one-on-ones. So we upped it and, uh, and we're fine with it. We, we thought it went very well and we will talk more about that in our, in our April episode. And we will, uh, we will also have another, uh, sponsor on there. Um, we will have a spot, our vices. We'll talk more about vices. Um, they make a hard shell helmet. They make the safest hard, hard shell helmet in the world. Um, and we're excited to 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 talk more with them uh, next month. Other sponsors that helped us operate the showcase that we are just really indebted to and we greatly appreciate. We've got uh, Spectrum News and Smashburger, Moe's, Powerade. Uh, we just uh, we just thank you guys so much for helping us put this on for kids. Everything was free for for our student athletes. You know they we 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 just you know we we thank you guys for that. So hope you guys have a great night and we'll see you guys next time.